It is a sport as old as man itself. From the ancient Greeks to the British Empire, all the way to the Gracie family, men and women have partaken in this art of combat with the promise of honor and glory in mind. Now, WFUV Sports will bring you into that realm with in-depth analysis and opinions on the goings-on in the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. This is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound podcast. Do not adjust your computer. Do not adjust your phone. Do not adjust any device you're listening to this week's edition of Pound for Pound on. Yes, you're hearing my voice first, Tom Trizuli, not James Corrigan's first, because Hello, this is James. the first ever Jameless, Jamesless edition of Pound for Pound, the 13th edition, and this is the first one sans James Corrin, Corrigan. Tom Trizuli alongside Matt Breen here in our WFUV studios. It, it feels a little empty weird. without James. It's weird without James. Just a two-man, just and no Mario either. It's just me and you today, Tom. This is the first time, I believe, where it's just you and me, no mm-hmm. James, no Mario. It's a very weird edition. It feels it, weird. It is. No, no, James is always going to be weird, but don't worry, James. We'll we'll hold down the fort for you. And it got even weirder because we recorded about 12 to 14 minutes, maybe even 15 minutes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. At least we thought we recorded it. We thought we recorded it. The man who is sitting behind the board while also I, I recording this podcast. I won't name names. Myself did not <laughs> click the record button, but we are recording now. I'm looking at it. So we're just going to roll with it, you know? We went through a couple of our predictions for UFC 206, but we're going to get to those in just a second. But before we mm-hmm. get to those predictions, obviously we're on the eve of UFC 206. Obviously you're coming off the greatest card in mixed martial like arts a, history. A, a dream, what everything the UFC could have hoped in for. In UFC 205. And anything coming after that is going to look inferior in comparison. But is it me or is the 206 card a little bit... I mean, not up to par. Yeah, you have a point, and there's there's nothing more to be said about two hundred five as to how big an event that was. But even despite coming off how big that was, yes, UFC two hundred six is looking very disappointing. You had first Cormier, and now it comes out today that Pettis misses weight, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you you looked at this card a month ago when it looked it looked really solid. You had an, a Johnson Cormier title fight. You had a Pettis Holloway title fight. And now that one is gone, and the other isn't the other really happening, really ha- kind of isn't kind happening. of is like well, half happening. happening yeah, I here you explain it. Tom. Yeah, well, before I, I get into that, like you said, Pettis, it, it was announced today that he missed weight. Mm-hmm. Cormier initially was supposed to top the card, and now he's gone. Is it almost as if you're coming off 205, where it was like a fairy tale night for the UFC, where nothing could have gone wrong? You know, you were blasted into the mainstream. It was your first time at Madison Square Garden. The crowd was absolutely electric. You got a, a great buy rate. People were tuning in all around the world. You got Conor McGregor becoming double champion in the main event. You got great fights mm. like Wonder Boy Thompson putting on a Rocky-like performance against Teron Woodley in the loss. Nothing could have gone badly that night. And now you come to UFC 206 where I think Dana White and the UFC's luck is coming a little bit yeah, back down to I, earth. I, I think you're right. I think they used up all their luck at 205. Um, how good that was, and just every kind of thing that could have gone wrong with this card, it seems like it is going wrong. But regardless of that, there's still, there's still, there's some still a couple good fights, good matchups, some recognizable and Pettis, names. Pettis Holloway still is happening. 
Right, and I'll let me explain that right now. So Pettis Holloway is still happening today at the weigh-in. Anthony Pettis missed weight, so therefore he cannot win the interim featherweight championship in the UFC, which was what him and Holloway were fighting for. So this is what happens. If Max Holloway wins, he becomes the interim featherweight championship of the world, champion of the world. And if Pettis wins, he doesn't get the belt because he missed weight, and Jose Aldo, who's already the, in quotes, undisputed featherweight champion of the world, he will also get the interim belt as opposed, which is really odd. You were mentioned to me before mm-hmm. why that sounds odd to you. Because it's, I mean, because Jose Aldo is now the undisputed featherweight champion of the world. Right. And the interim belt, if, if Pettis wins, the interim belt goes to him. There's no real point in giving the interim belt to Jose Aldo. He's, there's nothing, you know? Yeah. Because he, why would you have the, you know, the, the belt of the division and the interim belt? I feel like that should either just give it to no one now for next fight or maybe give it to Holloway's next fight. You know, that, there, There's definitely different things you could have done. And I just think even before this happened, the situation is just weird that you have a vacant champion in Conor McGregor who vacated the featherweight belt yeah, recently. first time ever. Then you have an undisputed champion in Aldo who already fought for the belt and won it. Then you have people fighting for the interim belt, which... I don't. That doesn't register for me. Do you think there's a reason why they why they do that? I mean, I think they just wanted the interim belt because they said, "Oh, we just need a title fight. Cormier Johnson's off. We need a title fight for this card. Get this card hyped up again. We're not like trying to keep on the momentum of 205." But now, now there's no titles. There could potentially be no titles won or lost at all on 206. And unfortunately, it's only like half a title fight and now one, in the main event of this card. One thing to mention quick was at the weigh-ins today. Anthony Pettis did miss weight, and he looked terrible. He looked like it. He looked yeah. skinny. He he looked like he had been struggling with it, and he, he just looked really. He sickly. said, he, yeah. and he's ne- he had never missed weight before in his life. He's made featherweight every time. He's more of a natural lightweight, but he has never missed featherweight. And he said, my body. He said his body just gave out. That he, the day of, he was at one forty eight. They got down to one forty six and a half, I think. And he said his body just could not shed the last few pounds. Um, and he look, he did really look, look very sick and skinny at, at the weigh-ins today. And I think cutting weight is one of the many reasons why MMA fans, boxing fans like us, appreciate sports like that in terms of, in more than in terms of team sports that we see on TV, mm-hmm. just because of the sacrifices that these guys make. Take away the fact that they're going in the octagon, going in the ring, and literally beating the hell out of each other to a bloody pulp it takes a certain type of person to want to do that. Mm-hmm. But then something that doesn't get brought up as much is just how difficult weight cutting is and, and what it does to a person. And, even, even and how you dangerous. saw Pettis today, how dangerous it is. You mm-hmm. saw what he looked like today as a result of it. UFC uh, color commentator Joe Rogan is a huge proponent against weight cutting and wants them to completely get rid of it. Um, things as a dangerous practice. Many people in, in the martial arts world feel the same way. Um, and if, if you saw Pettis today, you, you might feel the same way too because he did not look good. So you look at Pettis today, you look how bad he looks, you look at how he's probably not as motivated. How could you be mm-hmm. going into the fight against Holloway tomorrow night because there's no chance of him winning the interim belt? I think that's just another notch in the cap for Holloway because I already think the matchups and the fighting styles between the two fighters favored him. This is just mm-hmm. another thing that's going to help him out. I would completely agree with that. Like, I think people had Holloway before people had Holloway coming in before he missed weight. Um, one thing to mention: Holloway is also on a nine-fight win streak. This guy is as hot as anyone in the UFC right now. 
no one has higher of a win streak if if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, um, even if it isn't the highest one, it's got to be mean, close. Nine fight win yeah. streak, exactly. Like he's he's as hot as anyone. He's his striking is has looked so dangerous in the last few fights of his. Um, his boxing, his hands are look deadly. Um, and at the Pettis would have struggled with that, but now, as you said, Pettis was also not a, or Holloway was not a great matchup for Pettis in the first place. And now compounding this with the weight problems, I don't know if Pettis is going to be depleted, but he certainly does not look 100. I don't think he'll be fighting at 100%. Yeah, unfortunately, that's probably going to be one of the bigger storylines coming into the to the pay-per-view tomorrow night is what is Pettis going to look like? What is he going to fight like? Because if he looks any if he fights any way how he looked, anything how he looked today, mm-hmm. he's not going to put in a great performance against Holloway, someone he really needs to put in a great performance I mean, against someone as hot as he is. There've been a few times when even like someone like McGregor has looked very skinny and pale at like a, at a featherweight weigh-in, and came out and won the fight. Obviously, right. So it's really um, going to be a question. So you can't you can't just completely write off Pettis. I don't think, but he obviously didn't look good. But Pettis is still one of the a deadly striker. Has some of the best kicks in the UFC. Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, black belt, incredible on the ground. So you can't uh, you you can't count him out. You can't count him out. And we're going to give our formal predictions now right, for the main card at least of UFC 206, and because James is not here in the A-host chair, I have to separate myself from him a little bit, and how I'm going to do it is I'm going to predict the card top to bottom as opposed to bottom to top, which is what James does. As we normally do with James. So we're going to start in the main event. So we're going to look at this Pettis-Holloway fight as if it was, you know, nothing else was involved. The weight cut problems weren't involved. Mm -hmm. The lack of motivation because there's no title wasn't involved. Purely in terms of matchup, even before any of this happened, I think this fight's going to come down to who's the better striker. I found the stat today, 0.9% combined takedown average mm-hmm. between the two. So most likely this is going to stay on the feet. And Holloway is known for coming forward, loves to pressure his opponents. Mm-hmm. And overall, I think, as you mentioned, he's a better striker in just in terms of hands and feet than uh, Pettis is. And well, I think it's just going to come down to that. And if he has the advantage, then Holloway's going to take it. I think the one thing that Pettis has is his legs, is that he'll try and keep his distance with them throughout the fight, try and keep Holloway away with his legs. Because I feel like if Holloway can get in and pressure him against the cage and, and really box with him, I feel like that's where Pettis would Pettis would not like that. That's where Holloway wants him to be. But as we said, Anthony Pettis still is a, a veteran of the UFC. Um, Holloway has to be careful and choose his spots. Because if he gets over Zalas, gets hits with something, and if he or if he gets brought to the ground at all, um, Pettis is very dangerous there. Can finish a fight. Right. Pettis so, has been there before. That's probably many the one times. thing. The, but I still, I mean, we are giving a form of predictions. So what I'll give is, I say Holloway. I'll say Pettis will keep his his distance for a little bit, try and keep him away with some kicks. Um, but Holloway will overwhelm him a little bit, and I'll, I'm predicting a TKO in the third round. Holloway wins. TKO in the third round. Yeah, I think the the only two things that are working, well, maybe not the only two, but the two main things that are working in Pettis' favor is that he's a veteran, he's been there before, and if you get too overzealous, if you're Holloway, then Pettis will know how to capitalize on it. And like you said, he can keep his distance with the feet. It's it's in boxing where Holloway really has that mm-hmm. advantage over Hol- uh, over Pettis. He's such quick and strong, powerful so, strikes. Great, he's a great, great striker. But I, I agree with you that I don't think those two things are going to be enough to separate Pettis along with the weight cut, along with the lack of motivation. I don't think that's going to separate the two. So I'll actually go exactly the same as you. I'll go TKO third round, 
for Holloway over Anthony Pettis, and he becomes the interim featherweight champion of the world, and hopefully th- leading to a matchup with Jose Aldo. I think that would also be much better for the featherweight division because I don't know how it would work if Aldo had the interim and undisputed. So I think it would be very good for the featherweight division. Yeah, if, if Aldo Hall- had the undisputed, um, Holloway had the interim, then that's then obviously the fight. next title fight. Right. But I think it would be good to split those. Yeah, because what do you do? What do you do if, exactly. if Pettis wins? It, everything would really fall into place if Holloway wins this. Would you give this. Pettis a title? You can't give Pettis a title fight at, right after missing weight. That would be a really... Yeah, you, you can't reward him for mm-hmm. missing weight. So it, it would be... I I know Dana White's not supposed to pick favorites, but I think on Saturday night he might be picking Holloway or betting for Holloway to win against Pettis to just, make his life a little bit easier. Just to make the featherweight division a little more normal right now. Right. So uh, moving on to our, we're moving down to our co-main event of the evening. Cowboy. Donald Cowboy Cerrone, the man I, mm-hmm. you and me are both the most excited to see tomorrow night. A guy that we didn't get to see on UFC 205. He would have just been yet another name that you could have added on to that card that had so many names on it already. But he finally gets his fight here at UFC 206, taking on Matt Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, former tra- former sparring partner of, of his, actually. They used to spar together. Right, so they know each other. A couple of fights in now in welterweight for Cerrone. But before we get into the fight itself, I really didn't know about what was going on with this whole eye issue with I know, Cerrone. What, you, you know what happened, so you can I explain said it I looked, I, was, I follow Cowboy Cerrone on Instagram, and I was scrolling through my Instagram one day, and, and it was, he was taking a selfie, of a video, recording himself. And he had this gigantic gash, like, above his eyebrow, like, all the way down to his cheek, like, covering his eye. And I'm thinking, like, like oh, great. Like, another fighter. Another, another problem. Another problem with 206. He's going to be out. But in the video, he says, like, don't worry. He didn't say what happened, but he's just like, don't worry, guys. I'm still fighting. And then later, it seemed like there were, like, speculations that it wasn't real because he is filming a movie. And then apparently he did get in some sort of accident hunting, fishing. Right. I'm not exactly positive. Um, so like he was in the accident, he, but there was something I there. I think he did say they embellished it. That so he put either, on makeup, makeup to... or Photoshop or I think it was makeup because he's filming a movie. But he is okay. His eye, if you saw him at the weigh-in today, he his looks eye is fine, fine now, completely fine. So hopefully we have a good fight. The I mean, obvious question is why did he do that? <laughs> I think maybe he's just who knows having fun. Yeah, and you you filming he's filming a movie, so maybe he's just having a, a blast with that. And... I honestly think that's probably what it was Mm -hmm. i also speculated that maybe he did that just to make people think he had an eye injury and he was just going to go in as the hero and beat matt brown with an eye injury he's going to fight anyway like rocky balboa with i mean cerrone is one of the most uh, he'll he'll fight anyone right you give him you you write down he says you want to fight he'll fight anyone if someone misses he'll step in i like to think that if he had a real eye injury he'd probably still take the fight regardless yeah but yeah cerrone it's great Regardless of what happened with the eye, it's great to see him back in the octagon. Uh, I was upset he wasn't wasn't fighting in 205, but uh, I mean he's one of the most dynamic strikers in the UFC. I'm I'm really excited and to see him fight. Since again. the move to welterweight, I was looking at this stat today. He's been absolutely dominant since coming up from lightweight. Mm-hmm. He's made he's landed 65 percent of his total strikes that he's taken since moving up to welterweight. That is incredible. How? I mean, if you saw at the end of the Rick Story fight. Um, how accurate his finish was. He hit him with about uh, a left hook and then a shot to the body and then a kick to the head, all three in a row, like perfect accurate shots. Like he really has showed excellent accuracy, really good cardio. He doesn't look as skinny as he used to. He still has the same power he did in lightweight that he does at, or that he does in welterweight that he did at lightweight. So, I mean, Cowboy has looked excellent at welterweight. I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah, this Yeah, and that, that point about the power is – 
you come down from a lower weight division, you expect to lose the power a little bit uh, and, and to lose the speed because you're bigger. But the power and speed that he had at lightweight is still there, and then he comes up as a heavier fighter and becomes insanely accurate. So it almost looks like this was the weight class that he was meant to be in from the beginning. Something interesting to say is that Cowboy has stopped, has almost exclusively stopped sparring. He'll still do light sparring where they'll like lightly punch and like go around the octagon. But he has said that hard sparring, he does not do at all anymore. He does exclusively drilling. He just drills, drills, drills all day long. And I mean, obviously it's working out. His strikes have become incredibly accurate recently. He he just recently became a, a black belt in jujitsu, uh, so I mean he's really the move up to welterweight. He really looks dangerous. If you're constantly working the strikes, that has to help the accuracy. But what do you think, as someone who's taken a couple of uh, jujitsu MMA classes, what do you think the lack of sparring does for him negatively? I mean, I've never, I, I can't speak. I mean, you I've, can't speak to speak the professional being in a fight sense, camp yeah. and and really hard sparring like. They're actually, like, actually right. fighting. But you would think you'd want to have it's some also, game action before you I go think into the big there's, fight. There's two reasons. One is I think he's just trying to stay healthy before the fight. You do less hard sparring, you have less of a chance of getting a broken rib, breaking a wrist, doing anything like that, that we see many people are breaking a leg or anything like that, that really will cut down on that. And another thing is what McGregor's been talking about recently, just health in the future. That's just so. If you don't hard spar at all, that's you're eating so many less shots to the head, many less kicks to the body. That's just more beneficial for your health in the long run. So I think both of those two things and just drilling all day long. I mean, it seems to be working for Cowboy. Yeah, and we'll see how it works tomorrow night. But formal predictions. I'll. I know we're both gonna give it to uh, I mean, Cowboy. Matt Cerrone. Brown. Matt Brown can't be underestimated. Matt Brown is also a dynamic striker. Um, as we as I said before, he used to be a sparring partner of Cowboy in Denver. So I think uh I don't think Cerrone's going to absolutely dominate Matt Brown, but I think he's going to to feel him out in the first round, start to establish a little bit of dominance, and then I think he'll put him away in the second round either with a TKO or if not, he'll he'll hit him hard, bring him to the floor and either get him in a rear naked or an armbar or something. But I think he finishes it in the second round, Donald Cerrone. Well, believe it or not, again, we have the You're same prediction. The same I was about time? to say second round TKO for Donald Cerrone. And, and like you said, Matt Brown is not someone, not some Joe Schmo that you have to underestimate. But at this point with Cerrone, it's proved me wrong. This guy's exactly. been coming out and destroying guys every right. single fight since coming up from welterweight. So it's impossible to choose against him how dominant he's been. And if we're wrong and Matt Brown comes out and beats him, all the power to him. But right now, it doesn't look like anyone in the division can stop Cowboy Cerrone. But moving on from that to the fight bef- that will come on before that on the 206 card, you mentioned earlier how 206 has a distinct theme of the future of the featherweight division, what the featherweight division is going to become. You're going to crown a new interim world champion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now it's only one fighter could possibly become the interim world champion in the main event. But then also on the undercard, you got two lower-ranked featherweights fighting each other. A good fight, though. And uh, Cub Swanson and Doho Choi. Uh, Swanson's fourth in the division. Choi's only fought three UFC fights, yet he's already up to 11th in the the division. That's for a reason. good, though. Yeah, and and I think, but he hasn't really been, I feel he hasn't been tested He hasn't been, he hasn't had a true test. And And Cub represents that, that he's almost, Cub is almost like the gatekeeper 
into the upper mm-hmm. echelon of the of the division. He's saying, look, kid, you've only had three fights in the UFC. If you can come and beat me in your fourth UFC fight, then you belong to be you belong in this upper echelon. I mean, I, I agree. Like Choi, we've seen has explosive power, maybe as good hands as anyone in the featherweight division. He can put anyone out. You have to be really careful with him. A incredible striker, but not a great. Doesn't have a great ground game. Ground game doesn't. His takedown defense isn't isn't the greatest. He is known to have problems with his cardio. He doesn't. He can't really last in a fight. And Cub Swanson is a, is a veteran of the featherweight division. He's been around so a I long time. I don't know if it's a, if it's a huge test for Troy. If it's a like a, I don't think it's a make or break fight for him. But if he were to come away with a dominant victory here, I think that would be big for him. It would be it would really boost him up in the featherweight division. It would it would he would start to see some real competition if he were to beat oh, Cub Swanson. If he year. comes out and dominates Cub Swanson, who's been around for so mm-hmm. long in this division, who is perennially at least a top five, six guy in the division, he comes out and dominates him in his fourth fight. That's respect right there. That's mm-hmm. respect for Doho Choi. And you could talk about all he all you want, the amount of fights that he's had, this being only his fourth, but if he wins this fight, he's in the upper echelon firmly, I would say. Oh, of the featherweight division, yeah. I would completely agree with you. And, and like you mentioned, you touched on this a little bit. It, it's not even like we can say Choi is a bad fighter on the ground. We haven't seen him on the ground. Exactly. Because he's, fi- he's finished all three of his fights. He just gets taken down, brings it back up, and he never, Yeah, he never wants to be there. We can't... We haven't seen someone that's been capable of keeping him on the ground, mm. so we don't know what he can do in those situations. But, but if there's one person that will bring that out in him, I think it's Cub Swanson. He's a tremendous grappler. You know he's going to try to take Choi to the ground. It's going to be a question of can Choi get it back up on the feet? What does he do when he realizes he's in there with somebody that can actually overpower him? I would agree with that because I feel like Swanson is, the much, is a more diverse fighter. Obviously, we haven't really seen Choi on the ground, but... Swanson clearly has the edge on the ground. Oh, of course. Troy does not. Troy does not want to be fighting this purely fight on, the on the ground. fact that we've seen him. We've seen mm-hmm. what he could do. We don't know what Troy can do. And so of course you got to give him the edge. Uh, even in the clinch, I would also give Swanson a good edge. Um, but and Swanson has very good footwork, so hopefully he can move in and out of of Troy's strikes well. But he really has to he has to pick his shots very very carefully because if he gets rocked, he he he's only been finished once in his career, Cub Swanson, but he has been rocked a, a couple times. So it, he just has to play very careful on his feet, use his footwork, hopefully bring it to the ground or get it in the clinch, and I think that's how he would come out with a victory. I, I don't think Cub is underestimating Choi at all. Oh, I, I, I think he's I seen he what he can all. do. I don't think he's going to try. I don't think Cub underestimates anyone. No, he's and he's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. He knows what he knows what to do, and I don't think he's going to try to stand up with him. I think he's going to try to take it to the ground. Doho, for me, is still an unproven commodity, so... I'm going to go with the veteran in this situation. I'm saying okay. it goes to decision, and I'll give it to Cub Swanson by decision over Doho Choi. I'll say uh, I'll give a risky pick, and I'll say TKO, Choi TKOs Swanson late in the second round. I don't even know if you could say that's a risky pick. We've seen yeah. what Choi can I do. Think, yeah. I mean, Choi is the, the, the favorite, which... I, I he I think he was the two to one favorite actually he did have a, a big uh what yes he was the he is the two to one favorite over over Swanson but I think that's too much even Swanson is is an incredible fighter but I I do think Choi should be favored he's younger and his strikes are just so powerful that I'm I'm gonna predict and end of the second round TKO for Choi moving on to a fight that's judging by the names only should probably be higher on the card you have. Tim Kennedy, a guy 
at one time was one of the better prospects in the middleweight division. Don't forget, he beat the current middleweight champion of the world. He beat Michael Bisping. Mm -hmm. And then he's uh, taking on Kevin Gastelum, who's also a big name in the UFC in general. But there are certain factors that are kind of making this not as high of a profile fight as maybe it should have based on the names. First of all, Kennedy hasn't fought in over 800 days. That's got to have an effect. Yeah, that I mean, that that is a while. He was supposed to fight, I mean, both of these, like it seems like there was like a combination of fights because Tim Kennedy was supposed to fight Rashad Evans at 205, but that was canceled. Then he was supposed to fight him again at 206. That was also canceled. And then with Gastelum missing weight at 205, they figured, oh, Gastelum-Kennedy is a good fight. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has been a while for, for that Kennedy has fought. It's weird because Kenny hasn't fought in a while. Gastelum just missed weight just a few, like not even a month ago. We'll we'll see how this fight shapes out. I don't know what to think of this one yet. It, it's possible that this could be the best fight on the card. It could be. I mean, it's it's. But the one thing is, it is two two good grapplers. Right. Both of these guys look for the takedown. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're good. Tim Kennedy's a good striker. Uh, Kevin Gastelum or Kelvin Gastelum has excellent jabs. But these are guys that look for the takedown, like they're 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 grapplers really, um, and I know that like people don't sometimes don't like when a fight's entirely fought on the ground, but this could be an interesting fight if they both are going for takedowns the whole time. If it's fought on the ground, Tim Kennedy has incredible ground and pound. Kelvin Gastelum is a pre- is a pretty good submission artist. I-, I think this fight could shape up to be pretty interesting. But I'm just. This is the one thing on the on the card I'm, I was unsure of. And in boxing and in MMA, it's a lot about going. At least for me, it's a lot about going with the proven commodity. If somebody is unproven in a certain situation, that it's very hard for me to pick them. And in terms of Gastelum, this is only the second time he's fought at middleweight. He just missed the weight cut recently, mm-hmm. so he's really unproven at this weight ca- weight class. We don't really yeah. know what he can do. And then you have Kennedy. You don't know how he's going to come out after 800 days. So that makes it. Really hard to choose, but I think one thing you could say is that this isn't going to going the distance. I don't think. I I'm going to disagree with you actually. All um, right, I, I mean think, that's the I point think, of the show. I think this is going to go the distance. I, I, I let me I, give I you foresee, the reason why I, mean, I said that first. But I go because I think 800 days off for Kennedy. You don't know what type of fight shape he's going to be in. And then Gastelum is still recovering from a weight cut. It wasn't that long ago, and mm-hmm. he's at a weight that he's not used to. So I don't know. I, Gastelum I, is also small for a middleweight. He's only 5'9". He's right. a th- uh, three-inch reach disadvantage over Kennedy. I feel it's it's you don't know where the stamina is going to be at for either guy, and that's the only reason why I don't think it's going to go the distance. But you disagree with me. This show is we shouldn't agree all the time I on think, this show, so give yes, me a reason. I think, I think the reason it's going to go to decision, and I'm going to pick Tim Kennedy to win in a decision victory. And the reason for that is because I feel like this is going to be not fought entirely on the ground, but a good portion of this fight is going to be taking place on the ground. Kennedy has excellent ground and pound, but he isn't a great submission artist. So I don't think he'll be able to submit Kevin Gastelum. Gastelum's too big, too too stocky, too strong. Um, so I feel like he'll try and get a lot of ground and pound on Gastelum. Yet Gastelum does have good takedown defense, and if, if he could get on top, he could. He also has very good ground and pound. I just feel like this is going to be a fight fought a lot in the clinch, a lot on the ground, and submissions won't really be a huge factor in it. So I feel like Tim Kennedy is just going to grind out a ground and pound, ugly on the floor victory in this one. Do you, but where, where in the which round do you think it's going to end? If you don't think it's going to go the distance, I do think it's going to go to the distance. Oh, I thought you, I thought you would. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, right, right, yeah. Right, right. You think it's? I gonna think go Tim Kennedy is yeah. going to win via de, via decision. 
See, I, I, that's why I think that's very possible that that could happen. But once again, I think stamina is going to play into it. And like you said, this is really going to be a wear down sort of fight where mm-hmm. each guy is going to really try to wear down the other. And I think what's going to happen is one of them is going to get wear, worn down because they're not used to being in the octagon. It's been a long time for Kennedy, and then you're recovering from a weight cut on Gastelum's part. Mm-hmm. I think Kennedy wears down Gastelum, and in basically the same format that you mentioned, except I think it's going to end in some form of a stoppage. I think Kennedy is that skilled in the ground and pound that he can get Gastelum in a situation like that mm-hmm. where it'll end. I'll give it, somebody tires out, I'll give it third round TKO for Tim Kennedy over Gastelum. Third ground and pound TKO? That's, uh, what do, what do you think for? of that one? What do you, <laughs> I, I like that one. I can see that. Ha- I can also see that happening. I don't, the one thing about this fight is I don't see it ending in the, if it does end, I don't see it in the first two rounds. No, I, I think it'll and, be in third round. Unless Gastelum gets hit with a shot or if, unless Kennedy really like unloads and gets a big shot off, I don't see this ending. But that's not really, you know, that's, that's not Kennedy style. Exactly. Neither yeah. of them are big, you know, on the feet guys, so... That would be sort of out of this world if that happened. Not really something anybody is expecting. But anything's possible when you step inside mm-hmm. the octagon, that's for sure. And then, of course, the first fight, the curtain jerker, if you will, of the main, of the main card. Uh, Jordan Main on the main card taking on Emil Meek. Uh, these are guys that really aren't huge names yet. They're really just trying to get their name out there. Uh, the thing I would say about Maine is he's only 25 and has 29 professional wins. That's it's kind of hard to argue against. And t- and 10 losses too. I mean, he has. Yeah, that's true. For being 25, he's a veteran. That's, right. I mean, that is a lot. That is a lot of fights. Meek only has 10 to his name. So Maine is only only being 27 has almost 40 fights, which is amazing. Which is considering how young he is that he got into the sport that early. But this is really the more than any other fight on the card where it's the most unproven guys, guys mm-hmm. who really haven't been there before that they're trying to launch their name and, into the stratosphere. And these fights like these are fights that can be some of the most interesting interesting fights because no one really knows either of these two, either of these two people. They're, they're still trying to prove themselves. If one of them really has something to prove and, and comes out and puts up a huge performance, maybe they get their name, they win another fight. You know, like this is this is a kind of fight that you maybe will see like a, a fantastic fight and one of these guys will get their name on the map. Because of a good fight, so that's all you can. That's, hope that's what to you hope do. for, and mm-hmm. especially for them, just getting on the main card in itself. Even if it is the chur- the curtain jerker, it's a big difference, I think, from main eventing the prelims than to getting on the main card where people actually have to pay to see you. That's mm-hmm. that's a big difference. You get a bigger purse. It's and the it's thing a big is, deal. neither of them are, are really grapplers either. So this is going to be a, mostly a stand up fight. Mine will occasionally bring guys to the ground, but but Meek has very good takedown defense. Um. Regardless, this is going to be a fight that I think is going to be fought mostly on the feet, um, and I, I feel like mine has a little bit better of a better of an advantage up there. He's very very skilled at at like hiding his intentions, and um, he just has very accurate strikes. And I feel like for my prediction, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Meek by decision. Meek or mine by decision, or mine. I'm gonna say mine right. by decision. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I almost I'm gonna say I'm going to say mine by decision, um, by split decision, or by I'm going to say mine by unanimous decision. I feel like Meek can have a few good rounds with him, but I feel like mine probably has better cardio as well. Right, and he's can probably just he's a veteran. Can probably outstrike him a little bit. So I feel like I'm going to take mine. A mid twenties veteran. That's something you really yeah, don't right. hear that often. But you describing the two guys that sounds like a recipe for one of those fights that two guys that really come out of nowhere and produce fight of the night i think it's very possible and mm-hmm. i hope that happens 
and it, it would be great to see. And I, I kind of agree with you that I'm just going to, once again, like how I did with the Swanson and Choi fight, I'm going to go with experience over somebody who's a little less unproven. So I'll go same thing as you, mine over Meek uh, by unanimous decision to begin our card of UFC 206. So that's you seem to be liking my predictions a lot know. today, Tom. I promise you, I'm not <laughs> stealing them. How many? Which ones did I differ from you? I differed with Cub, differed and with I differed Cub. on Kennedy, uh, Kennedy Gaslam as well. Mm-hmm. Not on the the only one where we differed on the winner. I think was uh, Cub and Choi. That was the only one. No, we we both had we Choi both, winning. The one where we differed. No, the, I said I have Cub winning. You have Cub winning. Oh yeah, yeah you're I have right, Cub you're winning right. by decision. So that's the only right, one where so, we differed on the winner. So that's the one where we'll be we'll be uh, trash talking each other tomorrow night. <laughs> and on the uh, on how far Kennedy and Gaslam goes, we differed as well. Mm-hmm. But all the same winners aside from that. So I mean, I un- promise un- I'm not looking at your paper. It is finals week. I mean, unfortunately, right this. Now. This car didn't really shape up to where it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a great... I mean, Johnson Cormier was going to decide the, the future of the lightweight division. It would have been a great fight. That got canned. Or Cormier was... Because Cormier was hurt. Now Pettis missing. So unfortunately, 206, a lot of the hype for it has died down. But it still has a couple solid fights on it. A couple really good names. Hopefully there'll be a... They'll up, I'm very confident there'll be at least one or two interesting, really there good fights. There always is. You can always, always rely is. on that in, in the UFC, which is what's so great about it. And yes, this this card did not live up to expectations. A lot of things didn't go its way. It sort of reminds me of uh, UFC 200 in a way, which was really supposed to be mm-hmm. another great card that was really just plagued by all of these the things. Light, it's the light Failed. heavyweights. It was John yeah, Jones. They, yeah, they all problems. Maybe the light heavyweight light heavyweight division is just cursed right now, or, or hopefully it gets a little bit back on track. But regardless of how this card goes tomorrow night. There are brighter pastures coming. 207, mm-hmm. you get the return of Ronda Rousey mm-hmm. taking on That's Amanda Nunes for the Women's Bantamweight Championship. And then we have another one in New York after. They're coming back to our neck of the woods coming for back. UFC 208. Barclays Center. Hopefully we can make our way there. Hopefully, and it's the, not whole just pound, hopefully the whole pound-for-pound pound crew will be at 208. What an event that would be if all four of us. It, Mario's becoming almost an associate member at this point of the pound-for-pound pound crew. that he, He's got to start showing up to produce Ooh. if he's going to be on the... <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast. He only <laughs> produces it, so he won't. Uh, he won't hear me call him out like that. But as Mister Corrigan likes to do, we're going to end off the show with some news and notes from around the worlds of mixed martial arts and boxing. And something that was really interesting that uh, Dana White just announced uh, yesterday or today was that the UFC will be adding. It's definite. Will be adding mm-hmm. a 145 pound women's division in 2017. There will be three women's weight classes in 2017 as opposed to two, of course. With or without, this is a quote from him, with or without Chris Cyborg, there will be a 145-pound I mean, women's division. He had to say that, but this is entirely for Chris That's Cyborg. That's how, yeah, come on. I mean, she also she was also someone that was very against weight cutting. Um, she didn't want to cut down to 135, thought that was too much for her. She released like a video of her like struggling with weight cutting. She says she's had problems with it in the past with severe dehydration. Yeah, and um, at, so this is good for her. There's a going to be a bigger division, maybe for like much taller, like for much taller women. This is uh, good as well. Uh, there's I don't see any negative out. And believe it this. or not, she was already offered two fights at 145 pounds by the UFC that she denied both times, mm-hmm. and both times she blamed it on a weight cut that she had for a previous fight that she was recovering from the weight cut. So mm-hmm. that doesn't surprise me at all that she's coming out against weight cuts. I mean, yeah, you have to like completely change your diet, how much you drink when you're weight cutting. Like it's because I mean, that's basically what she blamed for not coming to the UFC mm-hmm. yet. But it would. 
absolutely be in her best interest to come to the UFC. I mean, that's where the money is. That's where the fame is. She has a potential to be the next Ronda Rousey if she comes in to the UFC and dominates like how, how she has in her career elsewhere. Mm-hmm. All 17 of her victories have been by stoppage. That's Yeah, it's, I mean, it's inc- I mean, she is one of the most dangerous strikers in the history of women's martial arts. In the uh, history of women's, women's martial, martial arts, arts, she honestly might be, I know the competition hasn't been proven against UFC competition. She might be, what, top eight best fighter in any weight division in the mixed martial arts right uh, now? I mean, we have to see her against the UFC level t- talent. I'd want to see her versus like Amanda Nunes, Holly Holm, all of everyone wants to see her fight Rousey, of course. Back Rousey when Rousey was undefeated, Rousey. yeah. So, it, but it, so we have to see her against a little more top level talent, I think. But obviously, she is one of the best in the world, undoubtedly. And I, I, I foresee her getting the 145 uh, pound title at some point if she does keep keep with it. She'll. She does. I, sign with the UFC. I think it's a pretty easy yeah. prediction that she'll come to the UFC, and I'm mm-hmm. you and me are very excited to see that. It just opens up so many more. Maybe this was a stipulation for her coming. She says, "I want a 145 weight class," and if yeah, there is, instead I'll come. of bringing me in as just one off on a 145 mm-hmm. pound fight, so that's that's going to be great. And this is something that people have been clamoring for: is that they want a 145 pound women's division Again, like purely said, for uh, cyborg. Many people have wanted more divisions in both men and women's mixed martial arts. Just more divisions. I mean that prevents weight cutting people can fight more at their natural weight so so great news and an early christmas gift Mm -hmm. for uh ufc fans in 2017 in the new year they'll be adding a new women's weight class according to dana white 145 pound women's division pretty much centered around bringing in chris cyborg Mm -hmm. with her 17 victories by stoppage so moving on from that and i I know you wanted to touch on this a little bit so i'll let you touch on it what what happened with uh, with the ultimate fighter of course the winner Mm -hmm. fought demetrius johnson i wasn't able to to see it i i'm not really a follower of the ultimate fighter maybe i should get into it i only really watch the pay-per-views watch the fight nights i've just never gotten into i used to be a a much bigger i used to watch it much more avidly but it it, it is still such an it is still such an interesting show like I mean, obviously, it's reality TV. Like, it's goofy at times. Mm-hmm. Like, can be kind of like maybe that's what I don't like about it because yeah, I'm not a huge it, it can, reality TV guy. But th- that that aspect of it, people don't like. But I mean, like you, it's really cool to watch the fighters progress because of how. I mean, they're training with t- with the best in the world. So, like, I mean, it's very cool to watch how their talent like grows from the first to the end. And towards the end of the season, you have some great, great fights. So what happened? Speaking um, of so those what, great fights, what, what happened? Happen what did you think? Tim Elliott won. Uh, the 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 Ultimate Fighter season twenty four, mm-hmm. the so most fought, recent season. Yes, so we fought Demetrius Johnson for the flyweight title. Demetrius Johnson has never lost the flyweight title. Number one pound, number for one pound, pound for fight. pound. Everyone knows one of the most complete mixed martial artists in the world. Um, he won a decision victory over Tim Elliott, and while Elliott did look great in it, and I I think he definitely has a future in the UFC, and he really showed that he can potentially make a dent in the flyweight division. Johnson just just did his thing. He went out, did what Demetrius Johnson does. Went out, fought a great fight, brought him to the ground, outgrappled him. Fantastic ground and pound. Kept his distance. Did good footwork. I mean, it was just classic. It was a classic Demetrius Johnson fight, and it was class. He came away with the victory, the deserved victory. Um, so yeah, that's what I. Well, that's that's all he could have hoped for. That's he's all he's going could have, I mean, up. His first UFC fight, he's going up against the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And you had to think that obviously in the back of every fighter's mind they want to go in there and win. But he also had to have the thought in his head that if I just put in a good performance tonight, 
I will make an impression on the UFC. And, it, and you think he did that? I, I, I do think he did that. I mean, just to not... For someone from the other side to go in and fight Demetrius Johnson and not get to not get knocked out is one thing, but to, I mean, he, he did he did impress. I I feel like he didn't he held in with Demetrius, didn't get submitted to fight Demetrius on the ground and not get ground and pound to submitted is is very difficult. Um, so I I do feel like he he did impress and I I feel like he does have a a future in the UFC. So hopefully, I mean, I don't know when his next fight will be, but. The winner does get a contract with UFC, so he, he is contracted under the UFC now. So hopefully we'll see something out of him. The flyweight division, a division that a lot of people say they well, they need more fighters in, so hopefully he's someone that can maybe potentially shake up that division. And I know, Matt, as I'm not much of an ultimate fighter guy, you're not much of a boxing guy, but as long as I'm on this show... I, I, do, I do love the sport of boxing. Damn though, it, so. we're going to get boxing onto the show in some form or fashion. And believe it or not, it's a pretty big weekend for boxing in terms of number of mm-hmm. fights, at least number of title fights on national TV networks, but not a lot of them have a lot of consequence. Obviously, the main one's going to be uh, Terrence Crawford. He's taking on John Molina Jr. for the WBC World mm-hmm. Superweight, Super Lightweight title and the WBO World Super Lightweight title. The only storyline going into that really is that uh, Terrence Crawford. With a win, with a dominating win, he's come out and said that he thinks he believes fighter of the year. he should win fighter of the year if he defeats John Molina Jr. And it's pretty hard to argue with him because who else you look you look at other guys, who else first of all, let's look at what uh Crawford has done this year. He's beaten uh Henry Lundy, who's yeah, he not beat a huge, Hank Lundy earlier in the year. Who's not a huge name. Not, but yeah. he was a Still decent a good victory. Decent fighter. Victor Postal, then he wanted to unify the lightweight belts. He goes and beats Victor Postal, who was really on the rise at that point, mm-hmm. takes him out of the mainstream, and now he comes back. And John Molina Jr., once again, is not a great contender. I don't he, think he's, he did just came off a, a big upset win over Ruslan Provognikov, mm-hmm. but Chris Algieri also beat Ruslan Provognikov, so I don't think it's that much of a, a deal. Chris Algieri being from your hometown of uh, Long Island, actually, and home, he, home county, home, ca- home county, Long Island's a whole town, town. Uh, home on. place of Long Island, place of birth. Yes, and uh, he's a fellow, uh, long, fellow who's also from Long Island. So, so it was very similar in that case that it was someone that Provodnikov did not expect to lose to. Algieri beat him, and now mm-hmm. John Molina Jr. beat him. So I, I don't think, in spite of that, he's in class to even uh, fight Terence Crawford, but. If Crawford wins on uh, on Saturday, you can't give it to um, uh, Sergey Kovalev because he just lost mm-hmm. to to Ward. You can't give a fighter of the year to somebody who lost. Ward hasn't really fought anyone this year aside from Kovalev. Golovkin hasn't done anything. Canelo Alvarez really hasn't done anything no. this year of consequence. So really, That's even true. though even though the names, you, I mean, really, you can't give it to Canelo or Golovkin. He's been hurt. Yeah, yeah, both of them. So you you really can't give it. Even though the names aren't really there, aside from Victor Polsley, you might have to agree with Terrence Crawford and give him fight of the year if he wins Especially it. Especially if he comes out and maybe gets a, a KO, has a really impressive showing. Yeah, I would like could. for him to really, because Molina Jr., you could say whatever you want about him beating Provodnikov. That's not that huge of a deal. And if he goes out and really dominates him because he's supposed to, mm-hmm. then that will, uh, I think, secure him fighter of the year. And then something else that's been that's going on this weekend a heavyweight fight, and believe it or not, heavyweights are actually still somewhat relevant in boxing mm-hmm. after they've had this huge downturn. Anthony Joshua will be defending the IBF heavyweight championship of the world against Eric Molina. Joshua is, in my opinion, the biggest up-and-coming heavyweight in the in boxing today. You still have Deontay Wilder and others out there, but I think Joshua is the most can't-miss prospect. And I think it's a big fight for him, too. 
Molina, he got knocked out by Deontay Wilder, and he put up a good fight before he got knocked out. So I think he'll be at least somewhat of an entertaining challenger for mm-hmm. Joshua. Joshua, of course, being 17-0, 17 knockouts, and I think that'll continue. He'll probably knock out Molina. But I think it's a nice tune-up for Joshua, keep him active, because then he's got Klitschko coming up in a couple of months at Wembley Stadium, which should be an, an, a great atmosphere what? anytime they have fights at Wembley Stadium. People talk about the United States where boxing is really going down, but <laughs> boxing is on the upswing in the UK. They can mm-hmm. fill up. Joshua, of course, being a hometown boy, he's going to fill up Wembley Stadium against Vladimir Klitschko. So this will be a nice tune-up for him. Yeah, I, I feel like he, he should just come out, do his – even if he doesn't not come out, if he just come out and does his thing, this is a fight he should win. Um, But if he just come, he, he, he should get a knockout. But I, I feel like if An- Anthony Joshua just goes out, just does his thing, he, he she should come away with a victory here. And then another heavyweight fight, just to round it off here, is, uh, yeah, just to round this off, there's Joseph Parker and Andy Ruiz Jr. They're fighting for the vacated WBO uh, heavyweight title of the world, obviously because Tyson Fury and all of his issues had to vacate mm-hmm. the belts. So these aren't two guys that sort of earned this. They're both two undefeated fighters, Parker being 21-0, Ruiz Jr. being 29-0. Mm-hmm. If you look up a picture of Ruiz Jr., he is severely out of shape, and it's Andy Ruiz Jr. is severely out of shape. It's pretty funny to see, but this guy is legit. He's a real deal. He could still fight. He's actually a pretty good technical fighter in the way he fights. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be whoever wins this. They're going to launch their name. Just it's a lot like that uh, Cub Swanson uh, Dohu, uh, the Cub Swanson fight in two hundred six, and that mm-hmm. the winner of this will really launch themselves in to the mainstream of the division as opposed to They'll having start only... fighting top, top level Right, guys. well, you're going to be mm-hmm. champion regardless. And, and even though they kind of won the championship on a politics-related thing and that Fury was stripped of it mm-hmm. and they need a champion, but th- the winner of this will become more of a well-known name in the heavyweight division because even a- an avid boxing fan like myself wasn't really too familiar with these guys. Yeah. So it, it, it's they're getting their chance on national TV. It's going to be on Showtime. So they'll they'll get a chance to show people what they can do, and hopefully one of them entertain so they can launch themselves into the stratosphere of the heavyweight division. I think that's the second time I mentioned stratosphere <laughs> on this show. But, yeah, those are uh, three big fights happening this weekend. And then finally, to end off the show, something that really upset me, something that made me happy at first and then kind of upset me, was Miguel Cotto. The great Miguel Cotto mm-hmm. is, will be returning to the ring on February 25th Against James Kirkland. Uh, why? Uh, James Kirkland is a solid fighter. Why, but why James Kirkland, though? Why? And let me, like, why do you come out of retirement for, for, for James, James Kirkland? Kirkland? And they, they were trying to... They, a report came out that he was eyeing a fight at Cowboy Stadium, which that is never going to even <laughs> half-fill Cowboy Stadium. No. And the, unfortunately, the two fu- uh, fighters that were being thrown around were either Kirkland or Lamont Peterson, who Lamont Peterson, he hasn't fight in, fought in 2016, but he's a very capable That's better fighter. Than a would better have than loved a... to have seen Lamont Peterson fight Cotto. That would get more hype than than a Kirkland fight. But I guess Cotto, it's his first time back in a long yeah, time. Maybe he just wants a tune-up fight. He wanted fight. an easy opponent, but the worst part, HBO is going to put it on pay-per-view. Let's see how the buy rate does for That's, Kirkland uh... and Mikel Cotto, because... I'll tell you now, I'm not buying it. I'll wait for it to come out on YouTube yeah, uh, a couple I, days later, I, I, as I do with a lot of these fights. Yeah, I didn't do it with Kovalev Ward, 
Koval of Ward you had to buy. Two hundred five you had to buy. Well, you uh, I'm not buying two hundred six either. I'll wait for the the fights to, but, to come out later. But, but yeah, I mean, there there's only certain ones where you really have to buy it because you're so hyped for it right away. I, obviously, I'll get around to watching all these fights, but they mm-hmm. don't have to be live. So a very busy weekend in boxing, as well as a busy weekend, of course, in the UFC with uh, UFC two hundred six. But that will bring us to the. Sorry, I'm running the board at the same time here. Get our outro music. There we go. That will bring us to the end of this edition, this jameless, jamesless edition of Pound for Pound. Tom Trizuli and Matt Breen, we had a great time with good, you. Good show today, Tom. Enjoy the boxing fights this weekend. Enjoy UFC 206. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>